Lord, as we are just still before you right now, God, we ask, Lord, that you continue to minister to us through your word. And I just want to just piggyback off Zach. And as we come before you, Lord, we, we, we need you so much, God. And we want to be with you right now. And in the stillness, Lord, of this time, remind us who, who you are, God and how much you care for us, and how much you're there for us. and So, Lord, I ask that you would meet our needs tonight, wherever we're at, God. If we've come in here struggling, God, if we, we've come, Lord, just really yearning to hear from you that you would speak, God. Lord, if we come in weary and barely making it here, or even connecting online, God, I pray that you would help us, Lord. Strengthen us and, and lift us up, God. Lord, I'm so in need of you right now, God. And I pray for everyone in the sound of my voice right now that you would just take this moment to just stop. Let those things in our mind just settle down. And that we would turn our attention to you and like Mary, sit at your feet and gaze up at you and listen for you, God. So here we are, Lord, hearts open, hearts humble, Lord, ready to be with you and hear from you. So bless your word, anoint it with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, if you can grab your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. Good evening, everyone. Aloha to you guys who come here tonight. Thank you so much for coming to church. Thank you, you guys online for connecting. I know that sometimes the middle of the week is, is not the easiest thing to do, but there is certainly blessings connected in coming and seeking God during the middle of the week, especially as we get into God's Word. And, and I don't know about you, I've been enjoying our study together going through the book of Luke and just learning more about Jesus, learning more about who he is. And, and really, as he teaches the people, he's teaching us. And as he's speaking and, and confronting the Pharisees, he's confronting us also, you know, inside our hearts and all. And, and so I hope that um, at the same time that Wednesday night is an oasis, sort of a place where you can come in the in that under the shield of his wings, so to speak, like the psalmist say, that it's also a time where we can really grow and drink in the word of God. So I pray that uh, the Lord would speak to you tonight and hope you're hungry to get into God's word. Now, tonight, the title of our message is The Need for Compassion. The Need for Compassion. And we're going to be studying Luke chapter 13 from verse 10 through 17. As we go through this gospel, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, we're going to take this next section here, verse 10 through 17 in Luke chapter 13. Now, I came across this article, and, and you know what's crazy is this world is crazy, and it's almost like it's, it's, it's I don't know, it's like a movie or something made up, but, but this is true. There's a man in Indiana who is waiting still for his three stimulus checks, you know, that, that the government had sent out in this past year. He has this serious kidney disease, but the IRS will not listen to him. 
even with them trying to go to him. Why? Because this man has been designated as being deceased. The IRS looks at him as being dead. Bobby Musgrove is definitely alive, and in this article, uh, the reporter is interviewing him said that, but the IRS records say otherwise, that he is not alive, that he's actually dead, and so he's not getting any, any of his checks or anything. Also, for years now, he's not being able to file income taxes and receive his refunds, his tax re- refunds, and, and he believes, uh, I guess right now, that the IRS basically owes him like $10,000, crazy yeah Uh, even after he took a trip to the federal building to meet the irs guys face to face with the staff there that was not enough to change his status the irs actually told him we believe you but it's a social security problem (laughs) so i guess what happened was social security had somehow uh, changed him to being deceased, and the IRS is connected with that. And so he went to talk to the Social Security guys, and they said, no, it's an IRS problem. So this guy's really uh, uh, designated as a dead person, and so he can't get his money, needed money, and everything. Sadly, it, it, sad, isn't it? Sadly, these agencies hold tightly to their policies and procedures, even when this guy's like hurting for cash, cash, and he's standing there right in front of them. You know what I was also reading? This, is a, 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 this isn't an isolated kind of problem. There's a, a lot of other people that been somehow maybe a push a button, they were declared dead, and then they can't get certain benefits and all that because they're like just following their procedures and rules. You know what I say? Where's the compassion? Yeah. Where's the compassion? It just doesn't make sense. Well, as we continue in our study in the book of Luke, the Pharisees scold Jesus for healing a hurting woman on the Sabbath, which totally goes against their policies, their procedures of the Pharisees, of the priests there. But Jesus calls out to what's more important and what is needed here, and that's the title of our message, the need for compassion, the need for compassion. Again, we're going to be uh, studying Luke chapter 13 from verse 10 through 17. And our outline is this, the healing, the hostility, and the hypocrisy. So let's begin here with number one, the healing, the healing. Now, we're going to be covering verses 10 through 13 in this first section. So let's take a look at verse 10 through 11, first of all. It begins here in verse 10. Now, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully strengthen, uh, straighten herself. And we'll stop there. So we begin with Luke bringing the reader to this incident now. Uh, to this time when Jesus was teaching in this synagogue on the Sabbath day. Now, the synagogue, as you guys know, is like a Jewish, local Jewish place where they, the community can gather together to worship and, and learn, basically. It's, it's like their, their church, their local church there. And, and then the Sabbath actually starts on Friday from 6 p.m., goes all the way to Saturday, 6 p.m., 
and that from sunset to sunset, and that's the Sabbath. Well, on Saturday, the Jews, they go to worship the Lord. They go to synagogue there. And many times at the local synagogue uh, of this town, say, that where Jesus is, they'll have guest speakers come and share on the Sabbath. And so many times visiting rabbis will come and speak on the Sabbath. This is what we see here. This is why Jesus was in this particular town at this particular synagogue on the Sabbath. He was asked to share and speak the word and teach on that on that day, on that Saturday. Now, at this um, particular uh, synagogue, on this particular Sabbath, there was a woman there. And there, this woman had been suffering for 18 years. Can you imagine? 18 years. She was bent over. It says here that she was unable to fully strengthen. In, uh, sorry, I keep saying strengthen, but straighten. In uh, verse 11, it tells us. So, so she couldn't like, like, like stand up straight. She was always bent over. Maybe her, her spine was curved. And, and, but but she, she was just in this state. She couldn't stand upright, and I don't know, I'm kind of guessing, maybe maybe there was some sort of ailment where, where she was in constant pain, it could be, yeah? Maybe it was hard to straighten up, and that would put her in even more pain. But she was suffering all these 18 years. Now, here's the very interesting part in verse 11. It says, And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit who had done this. It was a disabling spirit. What is that? A demon, basically, this spirit has had caused this physical suffering on this lady, has caused this lady to be bent over. Now, let me tell you right now, this woman is not possessed by a demon, but I would say she is oppressed by this demon in a physical way. To be possessed, meaning a, a demon goes inside of you. Right, uh, it would seem to be more like this demon was oppressed from the outside, uh, affecting her 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 physical, you know, like her back and and being bent over. And be sure of this: some sometimes, and not all the time, it, we see in the Bible demons can cause physical ailments or sicknesses. Jesus would come across that, or you remember. Satan was allowed to strike Job with painful boils from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head. Job 2, 7 tells us that. So that's a strange thing to even think about. But the enemy, demons, or Satan himself can cause some physical type of suffering. And we see this incident here in our passage, and there's other places in the Bible we see that. Well, how do you know... If whatever sickness I have, how do you know that, that that's a demon or just some sickness? We live in a fallen world with disease and sicknesses all around. Well, you know how you know? God reveals it. That's how you know. God will reveal it, and that's how you know. And as what is being revealed tonight, we see that she had a disabling spirit for 18 years. Isn't that crazy to think about? She must have suffered you know, so much here. Maybe she came into the synagogue like only being able to shuffle her feet. Maybe she pushed through that pain she was feeling and, and, and maybe she went to a place in the back where she can hide maybe in the shadows. There's less attention to this. Maybe people thought, oh, there she is. There's that hunchback lady. Yeah? Maybe it's been hard for her. She's unable to look up to really see faces because maybe 
her neck. I don't know. I'm speculating, but she was bent over, and and it, I'm sure she was suffering in this time. And and maybe it was okay for her to be in the back of the room, be unnoticed, because she probably I would feel self conscious. You know, I'd be I'd be shame. I'd be embarrassed. You know, of my condition. Eighteen years being like this. You know what I was thinking? It would have been easy to get mad at God. Yeah. God, why is this? Why does this keep going on? 18 years, Lord. Come on, Lord, please. I'm praying. I'm, I'm here, you know. And, and it'd be easy even to make excuses for not even going to synagogue. But here she is. And here's something I want you to see. Just, just in this lady. There's something to take note of here. The oppressive disability did not stop her from faithfully coming to worship God. Isn't that great to see? I mean, we can pass that up in these first few verses that we're reading and go on into our story. But I really wanted to stop and just think about that for a moment. I mean, she's been, you know, going through this 18 years. It's a disabling spirit. It's this demon, yeah, oppressing her. Yet she's still there on the Sabbath worshiping, seeking God. She's still there. She doesn't know what's going to happen. We know that a healing's coming, but she's still there. And she's still seeking God. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but to get here on Wednesday night, maybe you guys online, to connect on Wednesday uh, night for a Bible study, sometimes that's the hardest night to do, get to church, you know. It's crazy. It, it, I mean, not just like it's in the middle of the week, not just most of you, uh, we've all worked all day already, right? It's not just a, well, the kids get school tomorrow, you know, kind of thing. Uh, it, you know, there's a lot have been going on. A lot is going on. It's the middle of the week. But I'll tell you, it seems like every Wednesday, it turns out to be the day when things go wrong. I mean, I don't know if you notice things like that. You guys who faithfully come here on Wednesday or you're connected online, you, you know what I mean. Sometimes a battle is, is, is really hard. You know, it's funny, last Wednesday, not funny, but last Wednesday I had to deal with the screen on my laptop went black. And, and usually the, I'm, I'm studying all week and Tuesday I, I get things ready and Wednesday's the, the big when I, you know, bring it all together for Wednesday night. And my screen actually was the day before it went black. And then on Wednesday, I'm trying to hook up an external monitor and some keyboard and stuff to get going to work. So it was a little more effort, you know, to get things going. And to this day, my screen is still black, but it's okay. <laughs> I have an external monitor. And after I got it all going, and so I'm, I'm getting ready to get my study. I'm, I'm getting my um, uh, virtual, you know, my, my screen desktop together with my notes and everything and and, and uh, I, I open up the Bible program that I, I use for study, and it's not working. And so it's kind of, okay. I mean, I, I, I have access to other things, and, and I have you know, phone always and things like that. But it's like the main one I use, it's like not working. And, and I'm thinking, what is going on here? This is, this is just crazy. Uh, about halfway through, it, um, it did start working. There's something going on with their server that it connects to. So, but, you know, it's just one of those perfect storms sometimes on Wednesday where all this trouble comes, and, 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 and it's hard. But you know what? We just got to push through it all. 
And I decided a long time ago, I was not going to let those things get to me, to stop me yeah, from going to church, to, to, to seeking God, to, to doing what God wants me to do. I think we can be stopped so easily, can't we? So easily. Someone told me a while back they didn't make it to one of the sun, a Sunday morning service because it was raining. I think it had to do with the hair or something. But Wednesday can be the hardest night to come. But I believe it's the greatest opportunity to show Jesus your faithfulness, your devotion. No matter yeah, how far the drive is, even if it's at night, no, no matter how long your work day was, no matter how tired you may be feeling, no, no matter if you ever get in those moods like, I'm not going to do anything, only things that are convenient for me. Yeah, <laughs> Anything that takes effort, no way. Yeah, yeah, right? So no matter, even if you're in that mood, no matter even the attacks of the enemy who can discourage you, yeah, who can bring you to a point where you want to give up and just ah, forget everything. No matter, let's not, let, let us not let Satan steal the blessing. And that's, that, that's the heart we got to have. I like this lady. No matter what their ailment, 18 years, maybe for, I don't know, 18 years, she's still faithfully going yeah, to synagogue to pray. Yeah. The Sabbath, she still was faithful to the Lord, no matter what. And I'll tell you, we're going to see in this story, it's true in James 4, 7, it says, So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, if the enemy knows how to get to you, he's going to use that to get to you. But if you say, no way, church, Sunday, Wednesday night, or whatever, fellowship, men's, women's fellowship, you know what, I'm going to be there no matter what. Not, well, if I feel like it, well, if I have an opening. But if you just say, ah, non-negotiable, this is my schedule, you know what, then Satan can't do anything, right? And he will flee from you. So I love this lady. I love, I love her faithfulness. All right. She was unstoppable here. So we see now in verse 12 and 13, look, it says, When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Women, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. Isn't this great? What a great story. What a great time for Jesus to, to just reach out to her, to, 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 for her to have the healing. You know what? I love how Luke writes that Jesus saw her. He noticed her. He, he, he saw her condition. Yeah? He knew 18 years. Here's this lady. And I love that. I, I bet many people stopped noticing her after 18 years. Many people didn't even care, care about her. And I love how it says when Jesus, when Jesus saw her, he did something, right? Do you notice here? He took the initiative here. He did it. It wasn't like, like she came up to Jesus and had enough faith. No, he just did it. He took the initiative when he saw her, when he noticed her. So he called her over and he laid hands on her 
As we get into this passage, know the power of God in your life. Know what Jesus desires. He wants to help you. He wants to free you. Are you in need right now? Are you in the need for compassion? Jesus says, come. Come to me. All right, so we see the healing. Now we come to number two, the hostility. The hostility. Look at verse 14. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Now isn't this crazy? This, this leader, this rabbi, this leader, ruler of the synagogue, he can only see one thing. He was indignant. He was like super upset in what happened. And, and he doesn't even talk to Jesus, right? He basically turned to the people. And he turns to the congregation. And, and it's like scolding Jesus by talking to the people. He's, he, he turned to the con- congregation and made his comment. Like to put Jesus down in front of everybody, right? Maybe even the lady too. He was saying, there's six days to work. And you know what? If Jesus wanted to heal, he should have come, he should have come and done it on those days and not on the sacred Sabbath day. That's basically his tone. That's what he's basically saying. But this lady who's just been healed, the hostility of the synagogue ruler was because Jesus performed a healing on the Sabbath and he didn't like that. Now, understand something here. When Jesus healed this woman, when he, when he freed this woman of, of this oppressive demon, Jesus did not violate any Old Testament commandments at all. There was nothing about performing a healing on the Sabbath that, that's totally wrong. But what the synagogue ruler, this leader, perhaps maybe is a Pharisee or part of Pharisee group, whatever, but what happened was later... Uh, Jewish traditions and regulations were added to the rules for the Sabbath. And, and, and it defined more, well, what is work and what is not work? You have six days work, one day to rest. The Sabbath is a day of rest. And so define more and more of what that is. And we talked about this before. Uh, I, I can't remember. I mentioned some things, but um, uh, I try, I'm going to try and give you some new things about what their rules and procedures were for the Sabbath. And, and one thing was, if you're a scribe, you cannot carry your pen on the Sabbath day. You can't have it in your pocket. You can't, you, you, you can't just have it in your hand or anything, or that would be considered work. If you're a tailor, like you, you, you make clothes or men's clothes, it, you could not carry your needle because you're a tailor, and that would be considered work. If you're a farmer, this is a great one. They came up with this, that. Well, you can't do this on a Sabbath. If you're a farmer, you cannot spit on the ground. Because if you spit on the ground, you may take your foot and rub it on the floor. You may scratch the dirt, and that would be considered work. How about this one? If you're a doctor, you cannot give medical treatment on the Sabbath. You know what that means? If you broke your arm... Too bad until 6 p.m. Saturday. You gotta, you gotta wait. Only if it was a life or death situation can the doctor help. But anything else, too bad. You gotta wait. 
Sadly, though, right, the synagogue leader completely ignored the women's condition and how 18 years she, she, she was suffering this, right? She, 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 he did not see her, yeah? And the healing that was done, there was no joy in that. He was fuming more that the rules were broken. There was no joy for the captain set free. So the hostility shows how legalism is valued over the person. His legalistic following the law was valued over the person. His rules were more important than this lady and her suffering. Last October, a woman in Montana was rushed to the hospital by her son. With no room to pull up in front of the ER, the son parked a car in that, the ER parking lot, and he tried to carry his mother, but he was unable to bring her into the ER room. So he, he ended up laying her on the sidewalk. He ran inside the emergency room, and they told him, you got to call 911. I guess what it is, it's hospital policy not to go out or bring equipment outside or anything like that. But crazy, the lady's right there. Some nurses who happened to be outside tried to revive the mom, and someone eventually did call 911, but by the time the fire department came, 10 minutes later, she had died. An article said the hospital's reviewing its policies. But it seems crazy, right? You're right there. Oh, you got to call 911. Oh, no, we got to follow the rules. This is our policy. That's like, like the synagogue ruler. And his hostility only shows how legalism, the law, is valued over the person and following that law to a T. You know what? I was thinking about this. <laughs> I was kind of getting convicted through that. There are some things that bother me, and I can be real OCD about some things. Some of you guys know. <laughs> uh, and and And... I can be real OCD about some things and demand, you know, that others got to be like that too, you know, kind of thing. And, and so I was thinking about, well, that's my legalistic hold. Things got to be done a certain way or things got to be put in a certain place or, you know, they better be done that way and, you know, or else, you know. You guys know, yeah, some of you have that, right? You, 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 you hold your ground. You're not going to let it up. No way, yeah. No way, even to the point that it crushes that person, especially those opposing me, yeah? I think I'm that too many times, huh? <laughs> Christina. <laughs> Ch uh, Charles C. Ryrie wrote, Legalism may be defined as a fleshly attitude which conforms to a code for the purpose of exalting self. You know, I read that and I thought, wow. That's what it kind of comes down to. It's about me. It's about what I want, what I like, you know. It's about, you know, um, I, I'm holding to this, so you got to hold that too. It's about me, really. I think it's true what he's saying. Because many times in my strange type A OCD stuff, I think I do that. I make it more about me and not think about the other person at all. I make it about my rules, yeah, that either I feel comfortable 
about or rules that I put on myself, I make it about my rules, rules and not the needs of the other, other person. And that's when I get angry. And when it's not done, right? That's when I'm blind, yeah, to how I'm crushing someone, yeah, by, you know, oh, the rule is broken, but I'm crushing you and, and I'm more upset. And that's this guy. I know I can be blind to the need for compassion. Let's go out to number three. And Jesus gets more heavy. The hypocrisy. The hypocrisy. We've seen the healing, the hostility, and the hypocrisy now. Verse 15. uh, This will be the rest of our section, 15 through 17. But look at verse 15. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water? Verse 16, And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from the bond on the Sabbath day? Can you imagine this moment? Here's this synagogue ruler, you know, perhaps Pharisees, kind of coming down on Jesus by speaking to all the people, yeah? And maybe all the the higher ups there in the synagogue, like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, uh uh-huh, yeah, yeah. What about the Sabbath? Yeah, Jesus, how could you do that? And so Jesus, he answers back straight, and he calls them hypocrites. You guys criticize and complain of what I've done. But you know what? You do the same exact thing. And he tells them, think about this, you guys. On the Sabbath, you untie, you loosen, yeah, basically, your ox or donkey, from where it's tied up in the manger or, or the stall or the barn, right? And you lead it to water. You, you bring it over to that, that pond over there or, you know, to, to, so it could get some drink. Yeah. So it wouldn't die. So it could live. Yeah. You, t- you take your donkey over and give it to some water. You see, they are okay with doing that. It's not considered work because you know what? In the Mishnah, which is the Jewish code of like oral traditions and all these extra rules for the Sabbath and other things. In the Mishnah, it allowed for you to take your animal and, and give it food. To unloosen them, to take them out. Or give, give, give the animal water as long as you don't put burden on his back, like it doesn't carry something for you, and as long as you stay within this 300 feet limit, within that, farther than that, then it's considered work and you violated a Sabbath. I don't know where they came up with 300 feet. I know, I know where that's from. But that was, that was their, their law, that they added to what is work, what is not work for the Sabbath. So Jesus is saying, you hypocrites, you, you guys loosen your animal, on the Sabbath day, you bring it, you know, you bring it to water and so it could, it could live, yeah? You help animals in need on the Sabbath. So Jesus says, think about this now. If that's allowed, shouldn't this be even more so a woman, a woman who is a daughter of Abraham? He's one of yours. He's not, he's not one of your livestock, yeah? He's a person. She's a person. She's a Jewish person, this woman. 
even even more you know important right she's been in bondage of satan in great need yeah to be healed to be freed yeah to be loosened so so shouldn't it be okay for her to be loosened like untied from this physical bondage of satan what's the answer yes of course right so jesus tries to open their eyes to how they placed a higher value on the needs of animals than the needs of people. That, that you know, their laws and everything, but, oh, the animal's okay. Well, how about that? Sometimes I think about how people spend so much on pampering their pets. <laughs> Yet, I mean, nothing's wrong with that. But when you neglect the needs of others... Yeah. I mean, I guess animals can do that to you. You know, they become part of your family and everything. They grab your heart. But to not transfer that care and compassion in treating others and hold it back, sometimes we can do the same. We're more tolerant with the animals than, you know, maybe someone in our family. So Jesus tried to open their eyes to how legalism almost always leads to the hypocrisy of illogical reasoning. I know that's a lot to say, so it's on the screen. But legalism almost always leads to the hypocrisy of illogical reasoning. It's crazy how we can, you know, well, it's got to be like this, it's got to be like that, you know. Yet, in other ways, we let things go. And sometimes it gets super, super crazy, super illogical. I was reading a while back, people were getting all distressed in a school zone in White Lake, Michigan. Uh, there was, they put up a, the authorities put up the speed limit sign by this elementary school. It was supposed to make it safer for everyone, but the authorities like, went too far. They, the sign, the speed limit sign, right, in, in the school zone basically, lists six specific times that speeds are to drop from 45 miles, hour, 45 miles per hour to 25 miles per hour. Listen to this. This is what's listed on this, this, this speed limit sign in the school zone. Between the hours of 6.45 a.m. and 7.15 a.m., you're supposed to drop speed. And then between 7.52 a.m. and 8.22 a.m., you got to drop speed. Then 8.37 a.m. and 9.07 a.m. But in between, it's okay. Not on that. And then in the afternoon, from 2.03 to 2.33 p.m., you got to slow down. From 3.04 to 3.34 p.m., you got to slow down. And then 3.59 to 4.29 p.m., you got to slow down. Crazy, huh? Someone, I think, in this article said, I can barely read what's all on there. Like, like what? crazy what if, you gotta go slow down go slow down speed up slow down no wait what time is it now my speed you know that's that's going too far that's how rules can go too far that's how crazy it's sad how legalism legalism can be like real nitpicky yeah in certain areas and that's what these guys are it's illogical in the reason jesus is bringing that out well, verse 17, our last verse. 
As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by him. Well, Jesus put to shame his enemies, the ones who are trying to bring him down. Remember, they're, they're already plotting, they're already listening. Who knows, maybe there's some Pharisees in the group who are like, yeah, yeah, look, look, yeah, we can accuse him of this. But they are put to shame because it was true what he was saying. And to the people that this synagogue ruler tried to win over, it made sense to them. It made total sense because they didn't criticize or complain, but they rejoiced in all the glorious miracles of Jesus. They, they give God glory. Yeah, that makes it. Wow, look at this lady. She's healed. Praise the Lord for that. I almost think they found out it's okay to have joy. It's okay to have joy and see God work. Someone said, if you want others to be happy, practice compassion. If you want to be happy, practice compassion. I like that. That's what it's about. Compassion. Legalism will suck the joy out of you. Because legalism is always critical, always looking for the wrong, always, always when it speaks is negative. So Jesus tried to open their eyes. And here's the last thing. The hypocrisy of legalism comes from a lopsided concern for things. The, the hypocrisy of legalism comes from a lopsided concern for things. The ruler of synagogue missed the healing, right? The ruler of the synagogue didn't see what God was doing. And all they could be passionate about was their rules. All they could want, want to really hold on to was the, was the procedures of the Sabbath. And so they were lopsided. They could own, that's what they were all into. They, and so they did not see the other side. They were lopsided in their concern. You know, years ago, someone showed up in our doorstep of the church and started coming here. And first thing he told me that he had not come to church for, I forget, like years, maybe seven years or something like that. And he explained to me, it's been a long time, because he didn't agree with what the churches do and what, what they teach. And it's kind of, I'm kind of like, oh, I don't know, maybe you won't like us, but that was in my mind. But I said, well, oh, great, you're here. And I prayed that, you know, maybe he could find a home. The next time I talked to him, he told me that if we ever do hula in, in the church, that he will quietly take his family and go outside and wait outside until it's done. Then he'll come back inside. I said, well, it's okay, whatever, yeah, whatever you feel. And um, I was glad at least he said quietly, you know, that he would do that. And if it's not right for you, then that's okay, that's okay. Later, I, I would, some people in the church would come up to me, and he had started engaging in some conversation. And remember, afterwards, at Kalama, we'd like eat, right, and have that time of fellowship. And, and uh, I remember after church one day, uh, someone's coming up, a couple of people actually, you know, we were sitting at the table and he had kind of just got into it, engaging them about his view of, of, of end time eschatology, you know, the, the end time events and stuff. And he was really pushing his different view and how wrong everyone else is. And, and I think got kind of intense. The next thing I know, he left the church. 
And uh, I figured that would happen, and he told me that, you know, there's certain things he didn't agree. So I was sad for him. I was sad for his family. His his kid was in junior high and everything. I was just sad, you know, that he was so, had to be like this or else, yeah. But you know what? It made me think about, and this is, this is me. I was assessing my own attitudes that I thought about. Sometimes I can be so legalistic on certain doctrines or th- certain theology and, I, and maybe things that, well, I enjoy, I'm, I'm into, and not about other things. And what I mean is, what entered my mind is, I can be real passionate. Maybe, oh yeah, we got to believe this. This is what the Bible says and everything. But I'm not as passionate of the other things that God says in the Bible about loving others, forgiving others, giving grace and mercy. Yeah. I, 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 and I may, it made me think about how imbalanced I can be. And I'm no different than this guy. How... I can get so angry at someone if they don't believe what I believe. Yeah. Yet is that really right? I mean, I'm not saying we don't have our convictions or, or, you know, we live in a crazy world. We need to hold to our principles and we need to stay biblical and as this world is changing all that. But how do we handle those times? Yeah. Do we still love do we do we do are we still gracious are we still merciful when it's time to be merciful merciful and I, it kind of opened my eyes up to how lopsided i am and it's like these guys yeah they're into the law they're passionate about it they're passionate about the mishnah and and in their own way they they're trying to honor god but what about this lady who's been in need for 18 years and we can get so caught up in our things, yeah, and miss, well, how about this person and their, their need? And I feel like it just kind of woke me up about how lopsided I can be, too, just like these guys. But that's the way we are, aren't we? What we like, we're very strong about, right? Well, what, what, what fits us or what? Doctrines you know about or theology, you're very strong about that. But when someone doesn't agree, how do we handle that, right or wrong? When someone doesn't agree, do we speak the truth in hate? Right? But that's not right. We're supposed to speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15. Sometimes we get on our hobby horse, right? And we just... Focus on that. What matters to me all the time. You know, oh, this is it. This is what it is. And we, we're deaf to what's the other side. What's the other person saying? And we make that everything. And that's about everything. And that's why they're so wrong. But are we listening with the heart of compassion to the other side, to the other person? What they're going through, what they're feeling, what they're thinking. Yeah? Here's what's really important. It's not so much what I'm into, right? It's not so much what you're into or what I'm into, you know, or what you're into crosses over the line what I'm into. What are we talking about here? It's about what does God want, right? 
He, we have doctrine in the Bible. We have uh, what God would like us to do, and we obey those things, and that's who we are. But he also asks us to be filled with the Spirit, yeah? to love one another, to, to forgive, to have mercy, to give grace, yeah? to let him take care of justice like we talked about on Sunday. There's all kinds of things. So I think we got to realize in our rules and regulations and our procedures and in how we live our life and order things all around us, we have to not just make it about me and what I like and what I'm comfortable with. I, I, like, I like things <laughs> ordered and, you know, all that. But in the end, I need to take that and submit it to God. But at the foot of the cross, say, God, what do you want? Yeah? What do you want? What is your desire in this? I don't want to make it about me anymore. God, how about your will? What is, what is your will here? I may have a plan. I may have done things a certain way all the time. But God, in all this, I'm, I'm not my own anymore. You purchased me. I belong to you. What is your will? What, what is your, decide, your desire? Let's not be so lopsided in our own passions or what we're into and forget, God, what? What, what, do you, what is your will in my life in this certain situation? What is it that you desire, God? It's easy for us to be the legalists, yeah? especially our own rules, because we do it well. That's why we make the rules. Yeah? But we need to be realistic here. God has something. And sometimes what he wants us to do is hard. Yeah. Sometimes we just choose the easy stuff and put it on this side of the line and say, oh, well, I, I can do this, so you, you're real legalistic on that. Well, are you, we sh- shouldn't we be legalistic, quote-unquote, as much as we're on this side, this side that's hard for us to do, that God is asking us to do, that's in his will? You know, in the midst of whatever situations we're in. Yeah. I look at this passage and you see two sides. You see Jesus. Here's the woman in the middle. You see Jesus, right? And you, you see the ruler of synagogue. Yeah. What do we want to do? I think it's good to ask WWJD, what would Jesus do? And we see what he did. Let's all change our lopsidedness, right? Because I'll tell you, if you don't, you're just going to bring more shame on yourself than you already have. I'll close, I'll close with this story. One morning on a subway in New York, a man was riding with other passengers. There's, and they were all sit, sitting quietly. Some were napping. Some were reading the paper. This is in New York on a subway. And some were lost in thought. But that peaceful scene changed when at a, at a stop at a station, a man and his children suddenly boarded. The children were all loud, rambunctious. They disrupted the whole entire car that everyone was sitting in, and this man was sitting in. Well, the man, he tried to be patient. He tried to, you know, kind of not kind of soak it in and not let, let it get to him. But the children were yelling, throwing things, grabbing people's papers, and, and it was super disturbing. And yet the father there did nothing. Finally, the man couldn't take it anymore and told the father, Sir, your children are really disturbing a lot of people. I wonder if you 
if, if, I wonder if you couldn't control them a little more. Well, at that, the father lifted his, his gaze as if coming to himself. Then he said softly, Oh, you're right. I guess I should do something about it. You see, we just came from the hospital where their mother had died about an hour ago. I don't know what to think. And I guess they don't know how to handle it either. The man didn't know. But hearing that, it changed his heart on everything. He saw things differently. He thought differently. He felt differently. It was no longer about him. It was about what was going on with this family. His irritation vanished, and his heart was f- filled with the father's or, and the husband's pain. And so feelings of sympathy, sympathy and compassion flowed. So he just turned to the father and said, Your wife just died. Oh, I'm so sorry. Can you tell me about it? What can I do to help? Everything changed in an instant with that compassion. That's what we got to be. Not be lopsided anymore. Change our ways. Change our approaches. And let us see the world around us differently. Let us see the need for compassion. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you, I ask for forgiveness for my lack here, God. I can be so lopsided, so passionate in certain things and not in other things that you call me to do. And usually that's the hard things. Father, forgive us all, Lord, for our failures, Lord. In our legalistic ways, God, maybe we're not like as bad as maybe these Pharisees or these rabbis or rulers of the synagogue, but we we can be just as in our own world, Lord. And so, God, in what you did in our passage today, how when you saw the woman, Lord, you did something. You noticed. God, help us to notice those, Lord, that they aren't the ones who crossed the line, who violated our rules and regulations, but help us to see them as a person in need. Help us, God, to see that we need to have compassion in our own hearts. So, Lord, forgive us and cleanse us right now and bring us to this place, Lord, where we're like you, where our eyes are are seeing what you see, where what we say and do isn't based on our own rules and regulations, but it's based on what you want, what your desires, what what your word says, and not just the, the parts in the word that sits comfortably, Lord, in us, but even with the hard things. And God, I pray for strength for myself, for everyone here and everyone connected, that we would be the people of God you want us to be. That we would rightly represent you in our homes, in our relationships, in our marriages, and in our workplaces, Lord. That it's not just how 
perfect or righteous or holy. None of that, I know I'm not, but sometimes we, we, we make ourselves to be morally so good, but the one thing we may lack is love, compassion, forgiveness, grace, mercy, understanding, kindness, gentleness. Help us with those things, Holy Spirit. And may we become transformed people, not lopsided, but balanced and whole. Oh, Lord, thank you for being here right now. Thank you for being our God. In Jesus' name, amen.